has he explained exactly what he doesn't like about DS9? No, but I get it. So, Alana J-Lo, I was just telling you yes. that a friend of mine yes. who is a fan of Star Trek texted me this morning yes. because I've been raving to him about Deep Space Nine yeah. and has told me that he has made it through the first three painful episodes. Oh, so good. He hasn't even gotten to the good parts yet. I told him that I would be willing to recommend random episodes that he could it's watch. so good. I mean, there's so many, though. But it does start off slow it's, in this first season. It does start off slow, but he'll really enjoy it if he continues on, I think. He's one of those people, babes, who likes to watch shows from the very beginning to the end. Oh, I get it. I, I do that too sometimes, yes. Depending on the show, I will do it. Depending on the show, if it gets better and better and better, I will watch it until the very end. But DS9, he's not liking, even though he loves The Next Generation. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We watched an episode of DS9 last night. Oh, yes. Called uh, Blaze of Glory, I think. Blaze of Glory, yes. Do you want to get into it, babes? I think you'd be better at that. Okay. There's so many things in that episode that I kind of uh, couldn't really keep up with. So, Michael Eddington, who used to serve as an officer under Cisco, The famous Eddington. Yes. Later betrayed the Federation and was arrested in an episode I love called For the Uniform. Yes. Amazing episode. But this is not that. It's it's pretty good, but it's it's not a that we, And I remember we watched it, right? For the uniform? Yeah. Yes. Is that when um is that when he was making um Eddington uh feel like he was the hero? By killing all life right. on one planet. But he he really wasn't yeah. No, but Cisco actually did kill hundreds of thousands yeah, of people. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I still like Cisco. There's a good argument to be made that Cisco is a war criminal. Hmm. Even though he's one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek, mm-hmm. I see the argument there. Okay. What do you think? I don't think he is, but I can understand why people would think he is. Well, I mean, there's that. There's when he had the Romulan ambassador killed to get yes, them into the war. Yes, he he, he was going to do anything it took to protect the Federation. Like, if Cisco was a real person... Yeah. I'd probably be one of the uh, detractors saying that he should be arrested if for he war was crimes. real. If yes. he was real, but since he isn't real, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. And say, because he is just a fictional character, I would excuse it. Very good, yeah. Well, uh, is, that, is that fair to say? It's, in a way, yes, because... If he was real, for sure he should be arrested. Right, but... Should we like Cisco, or should we just excuse his actions? I like him. I like him as I. I think honestly, I know that there may be some controversial things that he's done, but for the most part, I think he really does want to do the right thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I just said, he's one of my favorite characters. I think. I think but, he's had several conflicts. But I don't know if I can excuse all of his actions. I don't know. I mean, you you know more about Cisco than I do, though. Yes. I don't know half of what you know. That's true. I mean, my goodness, you had lunch together, like, how many times was that since last year? No, I'm kidding. With me and uh, Avery Brooks? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I haven't met myself. <laughs> but 
when I write <laughs> me with them, I always say, Avery, we're not breaking characters. You're Cisco this time. Bring the uniform. You know what I like. <laughs> I talk as if you actually know Cisco. No, I've just, never met Avery Brooks. I, I, I'd imagine he's a really good, uh, he's a really fun person, but. I don't know. He seems kind of intense on interviews. Intense? Yeah. So you haven't watched What We Left Behind, which is the documentary on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh-huh. And it's. I have mixed feelings about it. All the rest of the cast is are interviewed like throughout the documentary. And I think they have like maybe one or two clips of him being interviewed. Mm. Like he seems a little bit distant from that world, oh. which is fine. But um, maybe it's because he think. knows, you know, he he distance. He knows how to um, how to compartmentalize the show and his his own personal life. I don't know if I'd want to meet him in real life. I, I have a feeling I'd say something really stupid. Oh. Like, how's Nog? <laughs> Eric Eisenberg, unfortunately, is no longer with us. Yeah, but how's the character doing? How's the character? Is he commanding his own starship? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Gia. Well, enough, enough playing away. Anyway, well, the, the point being is that I on, I... We both think that Deep Space Nine is a great show, and Absolutely. I don't know why I didn't give it a chance when I was... And I'm not a Trekkie either, so that's that would make more sense that I didn't... But, I mean, it's a different show, but it's even different... It's not just a different show for regular TV. It's a different show in the world of Star Trek, uh, I think, mm-hmm. which is why it's hard for people to really get into it. I really, babe, I'm hoping my friend asked me for to select some episodes for him to watch. Why don't you just recommend it? Because he's one of those, again, he, he just wants to watch the show from beginning to end. Okay. Well, I, I will say that if I do like a good show, I will watch it from beginning to end, and I won't skip any episodes. Right. But um, we'll see what happens with that. Okay. Last night, though. Yes. I showed you In the Blaze of Glory. Or Blaze of Glory. Which Blaze of Glory. Okay. All right. So it's about Eddington. So it starts off... Jake and Nog are having dinner with Captain Sisko, and Jake eats some tube worms. Tube grubs or whatever. Tube grubs, yes. And he's like, well, if you, if you, if Nog is willing to eat squid, then we should be willing to eat tube grubs because that's <laughs> what Ferengis eat. Ah! Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they probably weren't grubs. They're probably like spaghetti or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they play. Something that humans would eat. Sure. And Martok comes in. Well, for, before that happens, this comes up later in the show. Nog is having some trouble with the Klingons on the station. Cisco tells him, listen, bro, you got to stand up to them if they uh, try to step to you wrong. And they'll mm-hmm. respect you. Yep. Martok comes in yeah. and says, I need a minute alone with the captain. Nog... Almost intervenes, but Cisco <laughs> grabs his shoulders like, not no. now, dude. So Jake and Nog leave. Martok gives a recording say, from this lady saying, hey, uh, Michael, just so you know, we've launched the missiles towards Cardassia. And they're going to go off in like, I, I can't remember, like three days. Cardassia uh, and the Federation are on bad terms because of the involvement of the Dominion. And Cisco knows if these weapons hit Cardassia, it's going to cause more trouble than it's worth. So he goes to see Eddington, who's kind of like sitting in his cell and is acting like he doesn't want to cooperate at first. 
Cisco mm-hmm. eventually gets the Federation to release Eddington into his custody. They're taking a shuttlecraft to the launch site. We should also say that these weapons are, these missiles are cloaked. Mm -hmm. So you can't really spot them with sensors. So I, I love the interaction with them when they're on the shuttlecraft. They're going back and forth and back and forth. And finally, some Dominion ships start mm-hmm. following them into the Badlands, which is this area of space where there's tons of interference from asteroids and whatnot. Cisco mm-hmm. has to do some uh, emergency work on the engines. He does it. They land on the planets. Mm-hmm. There's a fight out with some uh, Jem'Hadar. Uh-huh. Yep. Eventually get past the guards. Eddington sees that a lot of his friends who are who were members of the Maquis are now dead. Yeah, the Maquis is the um, enemy of the uh, of Starfleet. They're one of the enemies. It, enemies. it composed of a lot of uh, former members of Starfleet. I can I think of them as like space pirates in a way. Space pirates. Even though they're Are they just like what the Dominion is? No, it's a little bit more complicated. They're kind of defending land that was lost in this treaty with Cardassia. Okay. But in any event, some of them are still alive. And we find out that the lady who sent the message to Starfleet Mm -hmm. is actually Michael Eddington's wife. Yes. And this was all a ruse to get a ship. I love when Eddington looks at Cisco and he's like, well, you should be happy. Those weapons you were concerned about aren't going to hit Cardassia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they have to run because there's more Jem'Hadar soldiers there. Yes. There's this fight, a phaser fight, mm-hmm. and Eddington tells Cisco, go off without me. Mm-hmm. Cisco leaves, only gets some of the Maquis out, including Eddington's wife. Um, and that's sort of the A plot. So getting back to the B plot with Nog, and I know I'm kind of <laughs> rushing this along. That's okay. <clears throat> Nog uh, <laughs> wants to have a confrontation with Klingons mm-hmm. to show that he's the alpha male. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where Martok and some of his men are headbutting each other mm-hmm. down at Quarks. Mm-hmm. Jake and Nog are at a table, and since Nog has the lobes and the ears, he has the ears. He's listening to the decibel levels, and he's like, five more decibels, and I'll be able to make an arrest." Yes, yes. And he, and he he finally goes above that threshold, but he's leaning back in his chair and he falls, he falls over. <laughs> <laughs> he falls backwards, and yes. they're all laughing at him. Yes, including Martok. Exactly. <laughs> he feels like a fool. <laughs> but later, but later on in the episode, Nog sees Martok and some of his men just loitering on the promenade. Yep. He goes up to them and he's like, "Listen, y'all have to leave here." Nog says, get out of our way, Ferengi. This doesn't concern you. Uh, Martok. Yes, that's right. Not Nog. Yeah, Martok. Didn't I say that? He said Nog says, and I'm like, no, Nog's a Ferengi. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. I don't know what I'm doing today, babes. I don't know either. Yes, I'm shot out of a cannon. You did the same thing yesterday. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Must have been all the block we had with you. Hey, hey, Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that after Deep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In any event. Martok tells Nog it's none of his concern. Nog starts quoting regulation. Martok laughs and says, uh, don't push your luck. But then he moves along. Yes. And then there's a scene where 
Nog finds a hairpin of Major Kira's. Mm-hmm. And Martok then gets off the elevator and he's like, cadets? And Nog's like, general? And then Kira's yeah. like, what was that about? And he's like, it's a respect thing. <laughs> That's basically the episode. Yeah, it was good. Is there anything I missed that you wanted to talk about? Um. Oh, yeah, Eddington dies. I thought I said that. Maybe I didn't. No, you didn't. You, okay. you said that they got everybody out, um, including his wife, but he didn't make it. Um, there's a great discussion they have about replicated food. <laughs> yeah. About, we, you know, this might look in, like chicken, but once you have the real thing, it doesn't taste like it. Yeah, it tastes like replicated molecules to me. Yeah. Um, what did you think of that whole exchange? I thought that was kind of funny. Hmm. It, I mean, I don't know what a replicator is, and I don't know if I want to have replicator food, but um, I guess you can tell imitation chicken from real chicken. You just know it. Do you think that that speaks to our culture now, like the organic ver- movement of food versus like McDonald's? Of course it does. Okay. Because I've had... Um, I've had places, um, I've, I've gone to places where, um, the meat was, um, advertised to be, um, grass fed by farmers, for example, like, uh, let, let's say, let's say, uh, it was okay if I talk about this certain, uh, burger place that we like. Burgerville? Yes. Yes. Burgerville is known to have really good quality beef for their burgers and, and um, and, uh, they, they have things that come from, uh, farmers, like the milk for their milkshakes and and things of that sort. And I could tell that I could just taste the difference versus packaged uh, processed stuff. Do you know what Tuesday is, babe? What is... Wait. Yeah, uh, no, I don't. It is the one-year anniversary yes. of our last trip to Burgerville. Oh, that's right. We haven't been back there since then. <laughs> That is correct. That's how much we love it. No, oh. but we are in a pandemic, so. Well, I loved Burgerville even before I met you, Bubs. I loved it way before I met but you. But I didn't even, I know, but I didn't go there as much. Oh, but boy. I love Burgerville. Yeah, but it is it is sort of a commentary on organic or fresh ingredients versus. And, and there are places like Five Guys. You ever heard of Five Guys? I've never been there, but I am aware of it. Uh, their, their, um, their meat is really good too. Oh. Uh, and you can just tell, you really can. You can tell, just like you can tell organic milk from pasteurized milk, homogenized milk. I don't know that I've ever had organic milk. Yeah. Sometimes I'll buy, um, from the store. Sometimes I'll buy like a, I, I drink a 2% milk, uh, like if I'm putting it in my cereal or something and, um, I'll buy something from like Organic Valley. The first time I tried it, I was like, ooh, this is really good stuff. And uh, Simple Truth is another company that has all kinds of stuff like milk and. Um, uh, I've gotten a lot of their products before. Yeah, I like Simple Truth stuff. Yeah. But, and they last a long time. Um, I haven't gotten their milk though. No, their milk is pretty good. You, you just, I mean, you just know that stuff. You can tell the real thing from. A counterfeit. That's how I see it. What do you think Cisco was thinking during this exchange? Because he hates Eddington, mm-hmm. but I think he he knows the truth about what he's saying about the food. 
I don't know. What do you think he's thinking about? I think he's basically thinking to himself that, oh, this guy's just trying to distract me by talking about something that we clearly would agree on. You could be right about that. You know. You could be right about that, yeah. I mean, why would he have a conversation about replicated food? Well, yeah, that's the only reason I could think of that at any time. I, I think I would, I would probably say, yeah, you probably might be right about that. Now that you know the character arc of Michael Eddington, yeah. what do you think about him? Uh, yeah, I think he's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Slime ball. I think he's slimy. I think he's a pretty slimy guy. Works for Starfleet for a while. Um, completely is a, a becomes a traitor. Uh, becomes a member of the Maquis. Yeah, I think he's a slime ball. A whole bucket of it. What do you think of Cisco and Dax talking about him at the end? Like now he's redeemed. Hmm. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on that one. How about you? I think that Cisco has lost so much over the years that he values somebody who's willing to sacrifice their own life. Right. Like Eddington was for his people. Right. And so he doesn't like him, but he can respect him. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But up until his death, yeah. he hates Eddington. Right, right. Uh, there's a great line when they're heading to uh, the launch site. Mm-hmm. And Eddington says, I'll help you stop those missiles. But after that, you and I are going to go at it. Yeah. What is what we what was going through your mind when you heard that? Um, <laughs> that he was just gonna. I was wondering, like, why why is Cisco asking? Why wait? Was it Cisco who asked him to help, or did he he offer to do it? Cisco kind of forced him into it. Okay, I I was wondering why he was asking him to help because I wasn't sure if he was going to do it. Okay, that's what I thought because of how slimy he is, and yes, he's only in it for himself. So yes, I I I didn't. I don't. I didn't understand why, why Cisco would want him to help with this. Overall, what did you think of this episode? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I didn't hate it. I I did not hate the episode. I liked it. Okay. It was a little bit hard to keep up with. Oh. Because of the whole Cisco editing thing and the complications with their relationship. See, to me, this is one of the easier episodes to follow. Really. Which I think is why my synopsis was so short. Is because. If you have watched the show to this point, you already know the relationship between Cisco and Eddington. Yeah, but I think you know more of it than I do, Bob. I think you've seen most of the Eddington episodes. Uh, I have. He's a he's a slime bucket. Yes. Slime bucket. Oh my goodness! And he kicked the bucket. And you were happy. You were cheering when he died. I didn't cheer. You were like, yes, okay, finally. I was waiting for this. I was waiting for this. <laughs> I wasn't, you know, happy. Finally a good payoff. <laughs> well, I wasn't necessarily, you know, cheering with glee, but... <laughs> You're saying I may have exaggerated. Yes, you exaggerate a lot. Okay. <laughs> As you do sometimes, yes. Yes, yeah, well. So we watched this, mm-hmm. then I played for you the first hour of the Ken Burns country music documentary. I did, and I have to admit... Did you just say I did? I mean, you did, yes. Go ahead. 
I did watch it, and I meant to say I did watch it with you, but there were parts of it that I was kind of dozing off. And it was only because I was um, I was a little tired yesterday. Oh. But what I did hear, like especially the Carter family, and I know Dolly Parton was interviewed too, and the Carter family. The Carter family is really interesting. And uh, what was the other guy that I was thinking about? Um, Were you thinking about how they made the instruments and brought them to this country? Yes. Like the steel guitar. That was interesting. A lot that is used in country music and it's also used in Hawaiian music. The, the two musics that I can think of. It's fascinating, Bob. So you like this episode? I did. After this experience, we took a two-minute break and I made us teriyaki chicken for dinner. Yeah, you made the chicken. <laughs> yeah, I made dinner for us. That was... um. <laughs> That was a very embarrassing experience for me. Okay. So. And this, this of course, happened after we, we had our meeting the other um, in the morning. So. I don't know what that has to do with the food. Well, no, no, it has nothing to do with the food, but this, I'm just kind of keeping people up to speed. Here. Okay. Very good, Jay. Well, okay. you come out. Yeah. We'd had our break. You bring your dot out and you start playing Weird Al. Mm-hmm. And it felt to me like you were more interested in the music than you were in paying attention to the rice and broccoli you were cooking. I don't know if that's exactly true. So um, tell it from your standpoint. Okay. Well, this is so I was hoping that nothing was going to happen to this rice because I knew what happened to I knew what happened the last time. Uh, to the other rice that I made the other week. Um, and, uh, so I get the, I prepare the water and the rice. I wash it. Um, and, uh, this, this happens. Wait, did I do this before? I think I did it before the broccoli or was it after? Well, it doesn't matter. What had happened was I told you, Hey, maybe you should just do a, a quick cook of the broccoli. Don't cook it all the way through. And I did that. And then we put it in a bowl, put it aside. And then I and I started to get the rice ready. Yes, as I'm chopping the chicken. So I started to get the rice ready. Not choking it. <sighs> Keep going. Okay, you know what? Oh, well, you know you what? what? You know oh, what? On pit time? No. On pit time. Okay. <laughs> okay, so let's focus on this. Hey, let me add my fun just a little. <laughs> okay. 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 All right, babe. Hey. My mom will be bored too, boy. Okay, okay. I don't have to take this when I'm bored too, boy. All right. Yes, I know. You'll be birthday boy in five days. Yes, keep going, babe. Anyway, um, I cooked the broccoli. We put it aside. Um, I prepare the water and the rice. I wash the rice, drain it, and then I start to... Uh, get it ready to put on the stovetop. Um, One of the things that happened is uh, the um, setting wasn't correct. I thought I put it on high. You put it on very low. Uh, Yeah. The the setting wasn't correct. So I put it on, on, I thought was what I thought was high. So that was another thing. And then I, um, I mix it in. I I start kind of checking it out. It's still kind of hard and crunchy and gross. 
Um, so I kind of, I do that. And then you, you add the broccoli in there. Well, you told me, okay, I think it's about time to add the broccoli because mm-hmm. the rice is pretty much done. And, and there were, there were, I, it felt like it was starting to, well, when I was, when I was mixing it, it felt like there were some of it, some of it was sticking to the bottom. And in fact, it was. Um, so you put the broccoli in there and you're wondering, is it done yet? And I'm, and I'm tasting, I'm like, why is this, you know, it, it, at the moment I thought it was okay. You taste it and you're like, no, 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 this is not. Oh, it's nowhere near okay. It, it was, it was not cr- crunchy. It was still crunchy, still hard. And I'm like, okay, let's do this again. And so I, what I think I should have done is I should have taken it and put, and, and put some extra water in there, which I didn't even think about doing. And so I, I'm, it's, it's already starting to get hot. And the chicken is getting cold. And the chicken's getting cold. So you're, so you're like, oh, I think we should just, I should just cook the, cook the chicken again. So, so, um, and I taste it. I'm like, this, this is not good. It smells like it's burning. I don't think we should eat this. And so I have to dump the whole thing out and it's, and I'm pretty much embarrassed for the rest of, for, for most of the evening. Maybe not most of it, a good portion of it. But the chicken turned out good. We didn't make enough. We didn't make a whole lot of chicken. Or actually, you didn't make a whole lot of chicken. Because I was expecting to have broccoli and rice with it. Yes, I know. Okay, so let's break this down even further. A couple of things. I think think we should label that one burner, babe, because that's not labeled. The one that you were using. I know, but uh, okay. What's your thought on that? Well... I have to, I have to, I have to, um, I have to show you that because I, I don't know that I need to do that because doesn't that burner have a, um, an arrow? I don't on think the it's, knob? I don't think it's tactile though. Because if it's turned, um, if it's turned sideways towards the, towards the right, right? Yeah. Then that should be, now, you know why, you know why I think I was thrown off because I usually use. I, I would usually use the second burner. I don't use that burner very often. Right. And, and I and I I mean I use that burner, but I don't use it on. I don't put it on high very often. But see, that's why I think it needs to be labeled. Mm, maybe. Because if you're cooking it on low and it's rice and it needs to be boiling. Okay. You're not going to be able to get it boiling. So. What other are there any other takeaways that you have from the situation? A little more water than than usual. Maybe maybe for two cups of rice in a in a pot. Maybe I'll put four and a half cups of rice just to be safe. I always do four cups and I'm fine. I I know, but for some reason, and and I'm not the only. And I remember I made that point that I'm not the only person that has had problems with this rice. You said that your relative has. So is this? Just like regular brown rice, or is this like non-cooked brown rice that is designed to like always be hard and never be cooked? No, through? it's supposed to be. I could even show you the bag, the box, okay. because I bought it before. Yeah. So, what was your relative's problem with the rice? She thought it was because she cooked it earlier. But what I did, what I told you was, maybe before you go, yes, you can witness 
you can witness me cooking the rice and I'm going to add some things to it like butter, salt and uh, pepper, just simple. And um, make sure I add a little bit of water, a little bit more water than I usually would add. Because I talked to her about this. And when I was trying to cook rice in the same cooker, she said the only reason why it's hard is that you didn't put enough water in it. So that's the only thing I can come with, come up with at the moment. Oh. And I also said that we should do that again next week. Um, and you said that if the rice get the rice goes well today in the cooker, that you would let me cook it. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> So far, the rice cooker seems like a waste of time to me. Yeah, but your opinion only. But well, we spent we made full hour. Yeah, rice but rice. but I know I know exactly what happened. Okay, I know exactly what happened. So I'll have some of this rice today, too, of you boys. Um, so maybe, I know it's good. Yeah, you might be able to have some. Well, I'm gonna be you you watch it and you make sure I do it right, and then I'm gonna eat it. No, 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 no! I'll give you some rice. I right, give me some and give me a kiss, <laughs> babes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come here, here. So you do believe still that the rice cooker is the way to go? Yes, I do. Okay, babes. I don't know. Yes, I do. But we'll give it a shot. Yes. Yes. And you don't have to worry about anything boiling and um, uh, falling on your floor. All right. Well, yeah, because it's not my floor. No, it's my floor. I just hope we don't make full hour ice today. It no. takes full hours. No, 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 no. Like last weekend? No, 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 no. All right. And, and you feel good about it. I really do think that you should label that burner, though. You do, huh? Yes. Because, again, last night it was it was almost off and you were saying that it was on high. Okay. Yes. Well, okay. J- j- I, okay, maybe you're right because I do have one on the other, the second uh, burner on the on the right. Mm-hmm. So that that's a good indication that I know where medium is. Yes. And yes. where everything and where high is okay. Yes, it was. So we had a small dinner last night. Very small. <laughs> a lot of chocolate. Yes, we're gonna try on Wednesday to redo the. Uh, the chicken. Yes, and hopefully have some rice and uh, and broccoli. Yes, with it. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. But we'll see what happens with that. Yes. 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 Alana. Yes. We watched two movies. Do we want to talk about that first, or do we want to talk about the other thing that we did? I guess we don't have to. What was the other thing we did? About no, never mind. Never mind. I'll. I'll, um, let's go on to the movie. No, no, what was the other thing? I forget. Oh, about what happened, um, with the uh, experimental, um, episode we did. Oh, yeah, but by, this will be out after that one. This will be out. We did a Bible study, um, and you had brought up the idea of doing another one today. How And I kind of pushed that off, but how are you feeling about that? Is that still something Um, you would want to pursue, or? Uh, no. I think maybe, um... Possibly, I, I'd like to do it um, either the day before Christmas or the day of Christmas. Christmas is my birthday, so I think that would be a bad time to do it. But we could do it maybe the day before Christmas. Yeah, and I wanted to do that because there's only... Um, I only have to read 16 verses of... 16 more verses not um, of the... 
of the first chapter and then a few more verses of the second chapter. How do you feel about my beautiful questions yesterday? Some of them were actually legitimate questions, but I also, uh, there's some things that I just could not explain because I don't know a much, there are some people that are in the, this passage that I don't know much about. And it, and they're only, they're either mentioned only once or they're mentioned um, more than once, but they don't give a, there's no like um, history of their family background. Well, of course, I would think that like if I was a theologian, I'd probably, I'd probably know more about that. But I'm, I'm not. After we make rice today. Yes. I will be heading home yes. for a few days. Mm-hmm. In that time, are you going to do further research into the verses that you want to read me? Oh. Just so you're a little bit more prepared with I will. I, I will questions. go through it. Yeah, I think I will go through it. In fact, I think I might go through some of them tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yes. But overall, you feel good about what we did yesterday? I did. It was a little... It, it, it was... Um, I wasn't sure. I thought it was going to be... Um, it was touch and go for a minute, but... I I think um, we're off to a good start. What I like, babe, is it is what a Bible study, how you would think one with you and me would sound like. It definitely does. You know, because I'm asking questions. I'm also trying to be funny, but also relevant to you and your beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I think people who listen to it and know us both will understand (laughs) it. And it's not going to come across as fake. No, it's definitely going to come across as how we really are, yes. which I think is good. We, it's not, I, I, the one thing I don't want to happen is I don't want to make it sound like it was scripted. Yeah, you know, it definitely wasn't scripted. You don't want it to sound like I'm just like, and now I see the light and, and I can't wait. You know, it's, it's, I, I want it to come naturally, you know, whether you have, whether something has been revealed to you. And you haven't thought of it before, or you got something out of it that you didn't get out of it the first time. And every time I read it, it it never see it's never boring because you always you always glean from it. I think. And let's be honest, you feel that way. I'm probably never going to become a Christian, but never say never. It's never say never. I said never <laughs> say never. <laughs> It's still, it's still <laughs> it, as a thought exercise. You never, you never know. Stranger I, things have happened. I doubt I'll ever become a Christian. There's this, and, and, and I don't think you should announce it publicly because you just, you just don't know about that. Then I'll go back on my word. There's this, <laughs> there's just too many leaps of faith for me. But you never know. It's fun to, you know, kind of discuss and. And I imagine people who are atheists or agnostic would appreciate my take on even it. even the most uh, even the most coldest atheists have had their hearts changed. So you just never know that. Well, I reject the idea that all atheists have cold hearts. Well, not all. I'm not saying all atheists do, but some do. You never know, babes. You might become a Buddhist. I doubt that. And I doubt I'll become a Christian. You never know. You never, uh, you never know. You never know because it. It to me, I'm assuming that you're still searching. Yes, but you're not. You're not. You're. You're. You're very lost, but you're still searching. Listen, I wouldn't say I'm lost. I. I would say I'm a person with an open mind. Spiritually lost. No, I wouldn't see that. Yeah. I. Uh, God created me, and the situations that I'm in. 
you know, the, the background and everything. Everything. So I think I believe the way God wants me to believe based on my environment. Well, well, let me ask you a question. Go ahead. How do you know that God wants you to believe that way if you haven't studied it? This is my leap of faith, babe. And you take a leap of faith when you study the Bible, don't you? Yes. And that's why we are going to take you. We, I am going to, to, um, to lead you on this journey so that, so that you know more about, um, why I believe what I believe. And maybe, and like I said, you might uh, you might get something out of it that you would that you never thought you would have. Maybe it will. Yes, you did. Anyway, but no, I'm the the thing. The, the like I said, I don't want it to be scripted. I'm glad it isn't scripted, and I hope that whoever listens to it that knows who we are, yeah, um, can appreciate that it isn't scripted. Yeah, like Christianity is very low on the list of things I see likely of me. Believing in. I, yeah, I, you never know. Honestly, I think if I were to go to religion... I think we're getting off topic here. It would be more like Buddhism. I think but, we're getting off topic okay. here. Okay. We will be doing more of those vapes. Yes. Yes, yes. Okay. No. Movie time. Okay. <laughs> J-Lo? Yes. Last night... We watched The Man Who Knew Too Much and The Birds. Oh, my goodness. The Man Who, did, who Knew Too Much was so good. Do you want me to give the overview or do you want to do it? Why don't I uh, start off at the beginning and then you can chime. You can you can go up. Uh, you can uh, move on from that. Talk about it. Talk about it. Okay. So um, there's, um, there's a doctor and his wife and their son. Um, Mr. and Mrs. McKenna. So, uh, so that's Jimmy Stewart and um, Doris Day. Doris Day. <laughs> all right, we'll get there in a minute. All right, all right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did I hurt you? No. Okay. So, so they uh, play parents to a little boy named Hank, and they are on their way to Marrakesh on the bus. So Marrakesh, I believe, is uh, located somewhere in Morocco. And uh, uh, Mrs. McKenna is wearing uh, some kind of a veil, I guess. I guess because it's like a Muslim country. May I interject? Yes. My dear. She is not wearing a veil. She's not wearing a veil. What what was she wearing then? Just regular clothes. Yeah, but but remember when that guy got upset because she took something off of her head? Not off of her head. What happened was, can I tell this part of it? Hank goes to the front of the bus the driver looks like he slams on the brake quickly. Mm-hmm. Hank grabs the veil off of this one lady. Oh, I see. Yes, who's a Muslim. And her husband is with her, and he gets a little bit upset. Yeah, he gets upset, and then um, uh, he's talking to this guy, and Louis Bernard... Louis, this, is, this is where they met uh, Louis Bernard, correct? Correct. And Louis Bernard says, basically, oh, calm down, everything's fine. You know, I don't know what he says. He's speaking in French. And so he he talks to the the couple and their son and uh you know they they don't they are kind of wondering how he knows about a lot about a Dr. McKenna. Um Can I correct you there, babes? What? He doesn't know a lot about Dr. McKenna until McKenna starts talking about his own life. Well, I was going to get there. Okay. Okay, he starts talking about his own life and he he starts to learn about um 
he he is um telling Louis this information. And remember that one part where his wife is saying, well, you know, what do you think about this? You know, because they're kind of wondering about this guy and why why he was um why the other guy was upset and things like that. And he was explaining about the Muslim culture and mm-hmm. um and then they so so all that is going on. Um they get to Marrakesh and then they decide that they're that they, they are going to stay for a few days. And um it sounds like uh Louis Bernard is uh kind of helping them get settled. Um, the same person that was on the bus with them. May I interject again? Yes. He's not really helping them get settled. It was already predetermined that they were only going to be there for three days. He does offer to take them out for dinner once they've spent a little bit of time unwinding in the hotel room. Yeah. Is that, that's before they go to the zoo or the, the wherever marketplace. The, the marketplace. Yes. Okay. So after, so he offers to take them out to dinner but he says, um, you know what? Uh, I am not going to be able to take you guys out to dinner. Uh, but you'll have to go. You'll, uh, you'll have, I'll have to go another, we'll have to go another time. So they go to dinner. Am I on the right track here? They go to dinner go at to the dinner. same restaurant they were going to go with Louie. Yeah, and they meet this uh, British couple, the um, the Drayton's. And it might, maybe we should say at this point... They recognize Doris Day. Doris Day. Doris Day. <laughs> We're going to talk about that when we get her. She is uh, uh, the singer Joe McKenna. Yes. And she kind of had some fame. So they approach Doris Day and Jimmy Stewart to say, oh, we're such a big fan of your work. And Jimmy Stewart says basically, oh, why don't we just uh, share this table? Mm-hmm. And they see Louie come in. You take it, babes. Uh, no, you, you can, you can uh, go on. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. And they get a little upset. Like, he blew us off and was with somebody else. The woman in the couple they met says, hey, we're going to go to the market tomorrow. You should come out and bring your little boy and we'll have a great time. It'll be a fun experience. Mm -hmm. So, next day, we're in Morocco. Everybody's having fun at this market until Louis comes in. He's being chased. He was stabbed. He sees Dr. McKenna. Mm-hmm. Comes up to him, whispers something in his ear. McKenna writes down the information, sticks it in his pocket, goes off with the police. Mm-hmm. They're interrogating him. While him and Doris Day went off uh, to the police station mm-hmm. with the man from the couple, right? the lady said, okay, I'm going to take your son back to the, the hotel and watch him. Yep. Okay, so during the interrogation, Jimmy Stewart gets a phone call. Gets, comes out, picks up the receiver. Somebody on the other line says, hey, if you tell what's going on to the police, I'm going to kill your son. Mm-hmm. Goes back in, says, okay, uh, we're having some problems. He's not being communicative. He gets up. He tells the old guy what's going on. He says, all right, take Doris Day back to the hotel, and I'll meet you there whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Okay, some time goes by. Stewart comes home. And Doris Day is asking about the son. Where is he? Yep. Stuart gives her some medication and says, okay. And she says, he had to drink this. And I, and I never understood this. But I think, so So she he drugs her. Yes. And she is 
really upset when he finally tells her he's missing. We can't find him. I can't find him. He's missing. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, my, where's my boy? Where is he? And she's crying hysterically. And then he goes to her again, and she's pretty much drugged up. I don't know why he did this, actually. I don't know if it was just because he wanted her to have a sedative so she wouldn't go crazy. She wouldn't go crazy. She wouldn't go hysteric. She wouldn't be hysterically crying, but she was. Um, and he says, he says, we have to, we have to find him. We have to get him back. Um, we, we have to figure out where he is. Okay. Okay. Back to you. They go to London because basically what was said to Jimmy Stewart is this famous ambassador is going to be assassinated soon in London. And they have a belief that uh, that that's where they need to go. And we should also say that Jimmy Stewart has found out by this time that the older husband is missing, too. Mm. So he suspects that something's up. Mm-hmm. They fly to London, and the police call them in for questioning. They basically say, we can help you guys, but you got to share a few things with us. They're unwilling to do it. Mm. But they get a card from the detective. Okay, they go back to the hotel in London where they're staying. And Jimmy Stewart is calling to find out about this guy. Uh, What's his name? Something about an abbey. Oh, he's he's calling about this guy. He thinks there's a guy named um, Ambrose Chapel. Yes. And there is, but it's also connected to this chapel. It's a, it's a yes. weird subplot. It's a really weird subplot. While Stuart is on the phone, Doris Day's old friends stop by. Yes, they do. Which plays into the end. It's really funny. But we'll get to that one. We'll get, get to that, there. yeah. Okay. Stuart says, I'm sorry, I gotta leave. Uh, my buddy Clarence uh, lost one of his wings, but I'll be back when I can. Wings. Yeah. So he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> a series of events happens. They're trying to find each other. They're trying to find this chapel. Yeah, so he leaves, and then a few hours later, Doris Day just tells the friends to kick it there. Yeah, just stay there, yeah. She goes, he comes back, and is told where the real chapel is. Right. He goes, they run into each other, they enter the chapel for services. The group, uh, yeah, yeah. After which time, Doris Day goes outside. Stuart stays back to talk to the priest. He hears his son talking through the walls. Yep. But is sort of accosted by these guys. Yep. And she and he's with two other women, correct? The the kid is, yeah. He's yeah. with the old lady and this other lady playing games with him upstairs. Right, they're playing they're playing checkers, I think. Something like that. Okay, Doris Day calls the cops. They come. They say that they're going to leave one officer behind, but they got to go to this, like, uh, big celebration. Yes, and, and uh, I'd like to note that um, the guy, the priest, gives the hitman uh, these tickets to the celebration. And he also tells them what the what the cue is going to be before he's supposed to shoot the gun. Yes, this is already leading up to that night. Yep. Okay, so we fast forward. Doris Day is at this huge event. And she's looking for the gunmen. Jimmy Stewart eventually comes in. You can't really hear them over the music. Mm. It's just sort of like implied what they do. Jimmy Stewart runs upstairs. And he pushes. 
I think he pushes the gunman off and he falls on the floor. Mm-hmm. They get the ambassador. He's now safe. They run into the police officer who gave them his information and they tell him what's up. Mm-hmm. The guy pulls him aside and says, okay, your kid's still alive. He's at this embassy and there are like these international laws. So we want to help you, but we can't really get in there. Mm-hmm. Doris Day calls. I'm sorry. Jimmy Sewer calls the embassy, requests to speak to the ambassador that was just saved by him and Doris Day. Mm-hmm. She says, I want to come over and sing for you. Yep. Okay. They go over. She starts singing. K Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be. Will. And, and then, and, and meanwhile. The sun is upstairs. The sun is upstairs with Mrs. Drayton. He starts whistling. He starts whistling very loud. Mrs. Drayton is starting to have second thoughts about this. Yeah. So she, so she tells him to whistle. And I think she, about this time. She's getting quite attached to the little boy. I think it's more that she knows that her life but she is knows that she's pretty gonna much over. Probably um, be punished for this. Yes, because they kind of uh, botch the execution. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart gets the boy. There's a gunman waiting outside the door who followed Stewart up, I think. Mm-hmm. And they're now walking down the staircase. Jimmy Stewart pushes the gunman. There's a huge commotion. And Doris Day, Jimmy Stewart, and good old Hank escape. They go back to the hotel where they were staying, where Doris Day's friends are now asleep. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Stewart walks in and says, sorry to be so late, but I had to go get good old Hank. And then the movie ends. We we had to get our son Hank. Yes, we had to get our son Hank. And then the film ends. (laughs) It all happened in one day. (laughs) It all happened in one day. Isn't that funny? Yes. I'm sure I butchered some of this, but that's the gist <laughs> of the movie. Um, oh, and then what about that one part before before the symbols are supposed to go off? Because it's supposed to be a cue for the guy yes. to, shoot. to shoot. And Doris, you can hear Doris Day screaming. That's to, like, shock Distract. everybody. Yeah. And that's why she got the credit for saving the ambassador, I believe. Ah, yes. yes. It, was, it, was, it was a movie of... Uh, uh, there was drama, excitement, suspense, adventure. I really enjoyed this film. My favorite uh, Jimmy Stewart, Alfred Hitchcock collaboration is still Rear Window. But, but this, this is really yeah, good. Yeah, this film is really, really good. It's And, and, the, and, the, and what makes it even better is a funny ending. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, so the reason I keep calling Doris Day Doris Day <laughs> Is because during the movie I started doing that and Alana started laughing. I did. It was hilarious, but I'm like, stop it! So I'm like, all right, Doras is staying outside. Doras is going inside, and you're like, it's Doris, okay? And I said, well, that's the American pronunciation, so I see why you would believe that. But in Germany, they pronounce it Doras. No, I don't. For the sake of this conversation. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, okay. What if? What if, peeps? <laughs> um, what do you think happens to this couple? I think they take their boy and they go back to America. But she mentioned earlier in the film, when things were going all right back uh-huh. in Morocco, yeah, that she wanted to have another baby. Maybe they take the boy home. And they find out that they that she's pregnant with another one. Is that what you choose to believe? Yes. 
I mean, I can only speculate that's what happened with them. They get out of Morocco, head back to America, start a start a life without um, without people trying to get trying to uh, to uh, get them and everything. And they're like, "This is a, this is a this vacation's over. Let's go home now." Yes. Yeah, they leave they leave Marrakesh behind. I I thought this was a really good movie. There's a point in the film where they're joking. She says, "Oh, you know, the, uh, somebody's gallbladder gallstones gallstones." paid for this trip along <laughs> with a couple of births or whatever. <laughs> that was funny. Yes. Yes. I thought it was really cute when she was singing with um, her, her son. Mm. It was cute. And she is known for that song, Que Sera Sera. That was in an earlier film, I believe. Yes, I don't I really know her so. work. I know that she did some MGM musicals back in the day. I believe. Yeah. I heard that she had like a, a really hard life, though, behind the scenes. Because she was she was known as being somebody that was very modest and um, you know, prim and proper and modest and everything, but she had a hard life, from what I understand. Oh. From what I gather. What do you think we can learn from the older couple in this movie? Uh you can't kidnap somebody's child and get away with it. But is, were they professional criminals? It sounds like they were. It sounds like they were until this happened. Because he was making his living as a hitman. Yes. Yeah. I think that she was tired of it, though. Especially when it came to that boy. So the boy just represents years and years of doing this. And it's just gone on too long. I think, she, I think she's tired of it. Mm. I really do. Because... I think she just had enough, oh. and I maybe this maybe this boy helped her see that. This is the last film that Jimmy Stewart made with Alfred Hitchcock. Mm. Alfred Hitchcock really made this in 1959, and his last film came out in 1976. Mm. I know you haven't studied this, and neither have I. Why do you think this was their last collaboration together? Do you think that there was some falling out? Or do you think that the opportunity just never presented itself again? Maybe it just never presented itself and he it, it presented itself and he went on to make, uh, he, he went on to do other things and make um, other movies and what have you. Yes. This, I, I enjoyed this. Is there anything else you want to say about the film? Um, if you get a chance, go see it. It's really good. You kind of know where I place my Jimmy Stewart, Alfred Hitchcock collaborations. Yes. Where would you place this film in that mix? I don't know. I mean, there's so many good films that we saw with um, him and Alfred Hitchcock that I can't really, I can't really rate them because they're all good. Yeah. Nice. Rear Window is good. Yes. Did by the way, did Alfred Hitchcock um, make an appearance in this movie? He does cameos in every one of his films. Really? I did not see his in this one because they're easy to miss. Okay. If I had to assume, it would probably be like at the embassy party or in Morocco. This, By the way, this film I think was probably a lot of fun to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. I was thinking of, about that when they were at the market in Morocco. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yes. I would think so too. Yes. J-Lo. Yes. After 
watching The Man Who Knew Too, Knew Too Much, yes. which is actually a remake of a 1934 film that Alfred Hitchcock directed. What is that one? It's also called The Man Who Knew Too Much. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe in the future we'll watch that. Yeah. To see how he improved upon uh-huh. the original. Uh-huh. But in any event, I digress. You digress. Yes. Last night, we watched The Birds. Oh, my goodness. This one was creepy. I thought it was creepy. Tell me. Unless you want me to give a synopsis. Let's, let, let me give you the synopsis a little bit about the beginning of the movie, because you saw it before I did. Back in middle school. Yep. So, Tippy Hedren, who plays Melanie Daniels, Tippy. is at this bird shop. She's talking to a woman about, uh, was it lovebirds, I think it was, or birds? Just birds in general. Birds in general. This guy walks in. We don't know who he is yet, but he walks in, and um, <laughs> she pretends to, uh, she pretends that she knows um, that she works at that bird shop because he's asking about lovebirds. And he realizes, wait a minute, I've seen you before. You're a lawyer. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, go on. He saw her enter the bird store, and he, he recognized her, her from court. He was a lawyer. I'm sorry. He was a lawyer, but he recognized her from court. Basically, do you want me to take over? Do yes, you want to go ahead. Going? Okay. She's this rich girl whose father owns a newspaper, never really had to grow up, so she spends her time on frivolous pranks. Mm-hmm. He gives a little speech, takes off in his car. She writes the number down and has somebody at the paper get his identity. Mm-hmm. Since he was asking about lovebirds, she buys a couple. Tippy goes to his door. The neighbor informs her that he went up uh, for the weekend to, I'm forgetting the name of the place, something bay. Bodega Bay. Bodega Bay. And so she, she ends up going there. Tippy drives there, and she wants to surprise him. Yep. So while she could drive her car to where he's staying with his mom and younger sister, she decides to rent a boat. Yeah, because uh, she, they told her that you can rent a boat just yes. to go there. And, and and this is because she doesn't want anyone to know that she's stopping by. Yes. Let me touch your leg for a second. And she t- gets on the boat, and she drives stop it. Stop it. it. Oh, did that tickle? Yes. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. I did not want you to do that. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. Uh. Anyways, she drives the boat, goes inside (laughs) the house, puts the love birds by this uh, recliner, leaves. Oh, by the the way, the door is not locked. Did I just say it was locked? No, you didn't say it. I I just wanted to note that it was not locked. It's not like she threw a rock through it or right, right. keyed it or anything. She, did, she just walked right in because it was open. When she's on her way back, a bird kind of like attacks her head. Uh-huh. Which is a sign of things to come. And it's a it's a it's a it's a gull. Yes. And and it gives her a, a really nasty um uh nasty cut, nasty bite. Okay, so she returns the book the the boat rather. Yeah, she's bleeding. Uh, what's homeboy's name in the movie? Uh, Mitch. Mitch comes over and he's like, oh, you know. You're bleeding. You're bleeding. Uh, thank you for, you left some lovebirds. And she's like, yeah, those are for, uh, what's your name's party? Um, Kathy. Yeah. Kathy's birthday. Kathy. That's his, that's her, her, um, his sister. Yes. Much younger sister. Much younger sister. He's like (laughs) 49. She's like 12. (laughs) 
Yeah. Anyways. Uh, the mom comes over, and there's some talk, and the mom eventually invites Tippy Hendren over to dinner. Tippy lies and says that she's staying with... Uh, the teacher, Annie Hayworth. Annie. <clears throat> she doesn't know this this lady. She just... She found out where she lives, and she doesn't know this lady. She's just saying that she's going to stay. But Annie has a room for rent. Right. <laughs> Presumably, she doesn't want to just rent it for one night, but she'll take what she can get. She's a dying woman. <laughs> dying woman? Well... Was she alive at the end of the movie? No, but we're going to get there. she's a dying woman. Okay, be quiet. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Tippy. Tippy. I love Hedren. that name. Tippy. Tippy Hedren. Yeah. Goes over for dinner. The little girl, Kathy, really likes her present and wants Tippy to go to her birthday party. Yep, because she, cause she's thinking, oh, i got to go back to San Francisco tonight. Yeah. I don't want to stay longer than I should. And, but she's kind of playing the piano and chilling out. Yep, and she's a good piano player. And then she's like, I guess i got to go to this kid's thing. Yeah, I'll, you know. And so she goes back to Annie's, and Annie's like, do you want to go? I mean, do you want to go to this? She's like, well, you know, and, and, and she's thinking, well, I... I don't know. I mean, I guess I should go back to San Francisco. I was like, no, but do you really want to go to this party? And she's like, yes, I want to go because she's becoming attached to Kathy. And she wants to make her that little girl happy. Next day. Next day. Oh, we should also say that Annie gave Tippy some insight into the mom. Uh, no, uh, yes. Yes, and that she used to date Mitch. Yes. And for some reason, the mom didn't like her. But the mom doesn't really like anybody who's dating her son. Because she doesn't want to be alone. Correct. Yes. Okay. Next day, we're at the party. Everybody's just chilling like a villain, having a good time, playing some Snoop Dogg. No, they weren't playing Snoop Dogg. This is back in 1962. Snoop Dogg. Sorry. Uh, they were not playing Snoop. You're going off to act. Sorry, babes. Tons of birds fly in. And start attacking everybody. They start attacking the kids. Yep. They get into the house. We fast forward to later that night. Mitch, Tippy, the mom, and Kathy are just sort of hanging out, talking about the day when the birds fly in through the chimney mm-hmm. and start rushing through their house. It's so bad that Mitch calls the cops who explain, hey, this is just a bizarre thing. And they think it's happening just to them. Yes. Okay. The next morning... Mitch's mom decides to pay a visit to a friend. She goes upstairs and finds out that he's been murdered by these birds. And just to just for uh, for context, this guy was a shop uh, owner who uh, Tippy runs into in the beginning of the show. Yeah, I believe so. When she gets to Bodega Bay, because she's trying to find um, the Brenners. I think is this where Tippy goes to the school. To see Kathy? Um, yes. Yes, she does. I, I think I'm missing something, but... This is, bef- this is before that. Oh, this was right before that. Okay. Yeah, this is before because she goes to uh, look for that man, and she's been, he's been murdered by the birds. Okay. Like, like he must have looked really bad. Yeah, yeah. So she goes to the school, and before she like can really go in there, she notices these birds. She tells Anne what's going on. They decide, okay, kids, we're going to file out of here. Very calmly. Mm-hmm. Uh, those of you who live close by, 
go to your house very slowly, and the rest of you, we're going to walk down to this church. When they're leaving, the birds start to attack. Kids start to freak out. Oh, yeah. One of Kathy's friends falls and breaks her glasses. Yep. Kathy and Tippy pick her up, place her into Tippy's car, Mm -hmm. and just are sort of waiting there. Yep. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but um, you were distracting me during the movie with some gas. I I did not. Uh Oh. We go to this bar now where Tippy's hanging out and everybody's talking about the birds. And I thought this was a really cool scene. I thought it was a really funny scene because the woman was saying, I know about birds and it is impossible. Birds don't hurt humans. And and this guy is like, it's the end of the world. And he's he's quoting scriptures. <laughs> and this other guy is like, ah, da, da. and he's cr- clearly really drunk. Yeah. The birds knock over this like uh gas thing at the gas station. I don't know what they call it. Uh, the gas pump? It maybe it's, yeah, the, the gas pump. Yeah. And the guy comes out of his car with a cigarette, and they're like, don't throw it on the ground. Everybody's screaming at it, but he does it anyway, and it starts this fire. Mm-hmm. We eventually see... And he dies, right? Yes. We eventually see that Annie is dead, and Kathy is hiding out in her house. Yep. Um... And the and some of the people from the bar are dead too. Yes, uh, what's the dude's name again? Who the loving Mitch? Mitch. Mitch and uh, Tippy get her. They go back to the house. Everybody's shocked and doesn't really know what to do. So Mitch is boarding up the place. Yep. Getting ready for the bird attack. Then it's quiet for a while. Yep. Everybody's just waiting. Then the birds start to poke through the window, but Mitch kind of stops them. Uh-huh. Okay? Yep. And it gets quiet again. We get a sense that many hours have gone by. Tibbe. Tibbe. Tiptoes up the stairs like I'm doing with your feet right now. Stop it. Sorry. So he opens the door. I'm giving an explanation. Yes. Things are calm in the door, and then she looks and sees that the attic is been broken into. Yep, there's a big hole in the ceiling. And all these birds start flying in and attacking her. Oh my goodness. And they're they're like they're on her, they're biting and Mitch eventually rescues her but realizes that she needs to be taken back to San Francisco for real medical care. And they and some and I think she tells Mitch to get the lovebirds because the lovebirds No. Oh no, I'm sorry. So you're close, but you're close. Here's what happens. He goes outside to see how walkable it is to the car. Yeah. Once he's in the car, he turns on the radio and hears that, oh, uh, people are, are really scared of these birds and the military might be called in. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on. Eventually transports Tippy to the car. The mom is sitting next to her and Kathy says to Mitch, Mitch, can I bring my love birds? I know they're birds, but they haven't been harmful so far. They've been really chill. And he says, okay. Four of them are in the car. Mitch starts it up. They leave. And the movie ends. Yep. I think I butchered that, but that's the basic gist of the movie. That's okay. That's okay. I thought that movie was really good, but very creepy. Yes. Very creepy. Uh, Would you recommend it to people? I would, but don't see it if you have a phobia of birds. Would you recommend it to family members of yours? Possibly. It is kind of scary. I mean, if you, if you, uh, you know, 
it, it'll, it, it, you know, I don't know. It, it, if somebody was afraid of birds and they watch this movie, they would be even more afraid of them. Where would you put this film in Alfred Hitchcock's filmography from good to bad? Is it one of his best, one of his worst, somewhere in the middle? Somewhere in the middle, because it isn't my favorite, my, my favorite uh, movie. Hmm. What do you think? Well, maybe I should rephrase the question. When we watch Notorious, mm-hmm. near the end of the, the movie, uh, there's a pivotal scene where Cary Grant is carrying Ingmar, I can never, Ingrid Bergman down yeah. the staircase. Right. With her then husband. Uh-huh. Okay. In The Man Who Knew Too Much, mm-hmm. there's a scene where Jimmy Stewart and his son are going down the staircase with the gunman. Yep. In this movie... Near the end, there's a scene that's kind of pivotal where Tippy Hedren goes up the staircase. Right. Um, rear window, there's like height stuff in there because he's in an apartment and it's, and it's uh-huh. high up. Yeah. In rope, they're in an apartment that's high up. Mm-hmm. What do you think Alfred Hitchcock, and also in, in um, Vertigo, there's a lot of stuff to do with heights. Yes. What does Hitchcock teach us about heights? Um, it seems like Hitchcock uh, kind of um, makes movies based on some people's fears, whether it's animals, um, heights, like in Vertigo, right? Yep. Remember when that that uh, that girl falls off of the um, the um, the balcony? She's pushed off. She's pushed off of the balcony, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he it, I think he deals a lot with people's fears it seems like. And that heights is a legitimate fear for some people. Do you think that staircases hold a special significance to him? Some people have died falling downstairs, yes. But you don't think that he has some obsession uh, with staircases. You just think that he no. uses them as a plot device. I think he uses them as a plot device, not necessarily that he has anything in, you know anything um, I don't know, having to do with staircases. At one point in The Birds, somebody says to Tippi Hendren, you know, we weren't getting these attacks before you came here. You brought these upon us. Yeah. Do you think there's any truth to that? Of course not. Mm. She wouldn't have known. And it isn't because... It it isn't and it even it isn't even because she she has played pranks on people. I don't think I think her pranks are harmless actually. Some might call pranks devilish. These attacks start when Tippi Hendrick comes over. Yeah. Because of her, they're forced to flee their house into the unknown where they could get hurt. Is it possible that Tippi Hendren represents the devil in this movie? No. Okay. No. I honestly don't think she has anything to do with the birds coming. That was just a theory that I thought I'd float out there. No, One I that I was think... making up as I said it. Okay. No, I don't think she is the devil incarnate. Does this movie make you wish that you had a baby at 14 and another one at like 54, like Mitch's mom did? No. <laughs> what kind of question is that? I don't know because there, the, this is He's the part of the movie old, I found very unbelievable. He was super old; like yes. he could not have been her brother. No, 
he had to have. I mean, if they're gonna have a a, a guy, an older guy play her brother, he could have at least been like eight years older. Yeah, this guy was like forty. He was like super. He seemed super old, and, and the and he seemed like he was closer to his mother's age. That's the way I felt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And why is he calling her darling? That's kind of weird. Well, she. I guess he also called her uh, Tippy Hedren darling. That's weird. But does that explain why the mother is so close to the son in the sense that she probably did have him as a teenager? And 1962 is not that separated from the Depression. So he could have been a Depression baby. Mm -hmm. Maybe she lost another child in childbirth. Does his age explain their closeness? Uh, not necessarily. I don't know. Mm. They are close, though, but I don't know if it has anything to do with his age. What do you think happens to these characters? Do they make it out alive? Do they die from the birds? It's possible that, that as much as I don't, I hope it doesn't happen, it's possible that she does die. Or maybe she lives and she ends up with Mitch. And him and... And her name is Melanie Daniels, by the way. Yes. Him and Melanie and Lydia, his mother, and Kathy, her daughter, their, the sister, live in a house together. So I don't know. It could, it could have happened that way. Yes. This is a good movie, babes. It is. Is there anything else you want to say about it? It's kind of creepy. That, that seems to be your takeaway. From it me. is, yeah. I, I, I do not like the idea of of a lot of birds flying into holes in the ceilings. Oh. Flying through holes in the ceilings just to get to my eyes. And are, are you satisfied with the way it ended? Um, I would have liked to have known more, but I am satisfied with how it ended. See, I think if they remade this film today, they'd end it with her getting to the hospital and getting the help that she needed. Yes. And Alfred Hitchcock challenges the audience to be happy without that ending. Yes. Absolutely. I think is a good thing. I do too. Does watching his films make you want to watch Alfred Hitchcock's interviews on YouTube? Possibly. Yep, possibly. Nice. Well, very good, babes. We we will revisit his work, hopefully, at a later time. Yep. Yes. But next week in J-Lo. Yes. Which starts on Wednesday, because I'm going to be for Deep Boy. You're going to Boy. We have talked about starting the weekend off with Edward Scissorhands. Oh, I love that movie. And The Big Lebowski, which what? you have not seen. When was the last time you saw Edward Scissorhands? In the theater when it first came out. Oh, that's a long time ago. That's like 91. I oh think. my goodness, that is a long time so ago. So I've forgotten a lot about it. I love that movie. That is a fun movie. I remember really enjoying it. No, I may have seen it on home video once, oh. but it was like 92 or something. Oh, no, no, no. we got to watch it. It's really, I, I love that movie. I haven't seen it in so long. Yes. What are we thinking about Thursday night? Hmm, I haven't thought about that. I think it might be kind of interesting to. Watch Dead Presidents, because you've never seen that, right? No, but is it a good movie? It's a good movie. It's about this... I I don't want to give too much away, but I really enjoyed it. Hmm. But we'll have plenty of time to discuss that in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. 
J-Lo, mm-hmm. we got up early this morning. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, I don't think you had any dreams. I did not. But you snored, according to you, but I did not hear it. Cause I, um, I, I did, but I only, it only happened once as far as I, I knew. Oh. But I was, I was exhausted last night. So. Gosh. Yeah. Gosh, boys. Do you have anything else you want to discuss? Uh, no. I, um, well, I'll just say this. I uh, made us some smoothies, had a little bit of a mess, but made sure everything was cleaned up. Um, but it all went good, and um, I am going to be making more smoothies in the future. And you, you gave me an idea for storing them in mason jars, right? Because that's what I'm thinking about doing. Mm. I have a lot of them at home, but the mason jars I have are a little bit too big to put in the freezer. Mm. So I think once we get into the new year, I'm going to start making smoothies on Sunday night when I get home from here. And just put them in the freezer, take them out, uh, take one out and put it in the fridge the night before and start my day off with a good, healthy vegetable smoothie. Right. Like, you know, kale and avocado or something. Yes. Beets. Beets. Carrots. Beets. Beetles. 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 Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. And I hope you take me up and do the same thing, babes. No, maybe. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss? Uh, not at the moment. Okay. So I have not kissed anybody before. Yes, you have. I think it would be appropriate if I had my first kiss with you right now. You, you have before. Have I? Yes, you have many times. Really? Yes. Cool. I can even tell you the day, but you, I'm not going to discuss it here. You want me to tell some stories here? No. Oh. Some stories. I have kissed people before, but I'll yes, kiss you have. Without any jokes, please. Mm. 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 Stop it! Gagia! I love you. Yes, I love you too. Are we going to go and make that race now? Um, I am going to rest for just a little <gasps> bit. How long? Um, maybe 30 minutes. Really? Why? And leave me to my own devices. No, no, you... Well, here's my thought, though, babes. If what? we make the rice now, then I can get out of your hair. I understand that. But you want to take a rest with me? Just a little bit. All right, guys, we're going to have some bedroom fun. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. Unless there's anything else you want to say, babes. Um, happy, happy end of the weekend. Happy end of the weekend. And we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.